Congratulations for investing in the future of your family today by joining the AI Parenting Podcast. We're a judgment-free community moving from screen time to quality time. And our motto is don't sedate, relate to create. And today we're going to focus on the create theme by talking about not only AI-proof skills, but also skills mediated by AI. I'm your host, Dr. Ed, and I've done all sorts of jobs in my career. I remember my first job was building desktop towers as an intern. I've also worked retail, making $5.45 Canadian an hour at the electronics department of the local supermarket. And I've also done labor jobs like managing a painting franchise when I was in university. So ever since I had kids, I've been super curious about the future of work. What is their career going to look like? What can I do to make sure that they're ready for the future? When I first started researching this topic, the World Economic Forum described this massive shift called the Fourth Industrial Revolution. This is a massive change in the world of work that they predicted would happen in two to five years. And as we know, lockdown restrictions have accelerated this timeline from years to mere months. As a result, we've seen millions of jobs lost in retail, hotels, and restaurants. And at the same time, we've seen a surge in growth for online retailers, online delivery, and freelancing. The digital economy is transforming the world of work, said the World Employment and Social Outlook February 2021 report from the International Labor Organization. They said it is transforming, not that it will transform. The fourth industrial revolution has moved from a prediction to a reality. Since 2000, there has been exponential growth in the number of online work platforms. Between 2010 and 2020, we've seen a 500% increase in the number of online work platforms that fall into two categories. The first is web-based platforms where the work is performed online. And the second is location-based platforms where the product or service is delivered to a location. Today, we'll explore the $1.2 trillion freelance economy the future of education, and AI-proof skills. So let's get started. In 2020, more than a third, or 36%, that is 59 million Americans in the U.S. alone, freelanced using online platforms, according to Upwork's freelance forward survey of 6,000 U.S. workers. A third, a third of them. These workers contributed $1.2 trillion to the U.S. economy. And that's in 2020 alone. This is a 22% increase just from a year before in 2019. And you might be wondering, well, what are the age demographics of this? Well, turns out that the younger you are, of course, the more likely you will be freelancing. Um, they said 30% of Gen Xers that were from 39 
to 54 years of age were freelancing. So 30% in that category, while 44% of millennials aged 23 to 38 were freelancing. Now that number jumps to half of them for Gen Z aged 18 to 22. So you can see like as, as you go younger in terms of age, the chances that they're gonna be freelancing is much, much higher. So digital labor platforms are very different from a traditional business in that they have few employees, but they manage the works of large numbers of people. The, the term that's used in the research is they mitigate the work so that they don't really manage because they, they don't really they don't really do anything for you. They just manage it. Um, so they say mitigate. So they, an example platform would be people per hour. So the people per hour platform has 50 employees, but it manages the work of over 2.4 million people. And that's nothing compared to HackerRank, which has 200 employees, and it manages the work of 11 million people. So that's huge. What does it look like to work for a company? Not of hmm, hundreds of people, thousands of people, not even hundreds of thousands, but millions, millions of people. Digital workers tend to work more hours and they get paid significantly less than their employed peers. Worldwide, the average working week for an app-based taxi driver was 65 hours a week, so quite a bit more. And we're seeing, I'm a little bit hesitant about the um, hourly wages because we're seeing conflicting reports and it just depends on who, who's doing the reporting. Uh, so Upwork is reporting that 75% of the workers earned the same or more pay than their traditional uh, employers in a survey of 6,000 workers from the US. Now I'm wondering if the earnings numbers are a fair comparison because uh, there's fees charged by these online platforms. And these fees range from uh, 3.5 to 20% uh, like of their total earnings that is given to the web-based platform to, uh, and if you're, it's between 5% and 25% if you're a location-based platform. So let's say you're driving for Uber, like you may be earning a certain amount, maybe that was more than you got paid before, but you're giving 25% of that to Uber. So this is one of the reasons why so many restaurants these days are just struggling to compete. Uh, against their lower cost ghost kitchens. Uh, these are kitchens that pretty much all they do is they, they, they make the food and then it's only for delivery. They have no they have no internal space, so they have less overhead cost. Uh, they're they're optimized for just serving uh, food directly to for delivery. Uh, there's also a lot of um, unpaid negotiation that's needed if you work in the in the gig economy. Uh, the International Labor Organization found that a third 
of the hours worked on web-based platforms where you're delivering the product on the web, it, it's just unpaid. A third of your hours is unpaid. So yet if you look at the numbers worldwide, this is where the numbers are significantly lower. Uh, the average hourly earnings was $3.40 US an hour. So that's overall $3.40 US an hour. Half of those workers made less than $2.40 an hour from a survey of 12,000 global digital workers. So half made less than $2.40 an hour. Now, of course, workers in developed countries, they made more than workers in undeveloped countries. So the workers in developed countries, their salary ranged from $4 US to $12 US an hour, while the hourly wage for those in developing countries ranged from $2 US to $5.50 US per hour uh, in developing countries. And the key point here is that it, it, the key point here is that it takes the exact same amount of effort for an employer to hire a worker from a developing country as from a developed country, right? So it, it's the same amount of effort now to, to go and hire somebody from a developing country as it is to hire that same person uh, from a developed country. So if the ratings for an online worker are good, why pay more? Why would you pay more as an employer? So when we were growing up, our parents reminded us about the importance of going to school. In their generation, a degree was so rare that if you had one, it opened the doors to many of the highest paying jobs. I was shocked when the International Labor Organization reported that people who had a bachelor's degree did not have significantly higher income than those without one in both the developing and the developed countries it didn't matter. Um, they explained, so the International Labor Organization explained that digital platforms are redefining the relationship between education and access to work, right? Because you, you don't need an education to have access to these platforms. You don't need to have a degree. That's not a requirement. You don't need to show your degree in most online platforms. So instead, your ratings and your reputation are most important for accessing the well-paid tasks. So that's a huge, huge shift from the, the world that, say, our parents lived in. And what happens when we have the same bachelor's degree that 
everyone else has. What happens? You know, we used to say knowledge is power. But in reality, the world's information is right at our fingertips. So knowledge has lost its power. And these days, it's your skills that pay the bills. You see, degrees don't tell us how well a person will perform a specific task. Uh, instead, comments and ratings from your portfolio are a far better predictor of how well you'll be able to do that same task in the future. You know, companies and universities have also noticed this trend. Um, many companies don't even require a degree. They, they're hiring people without degrees, but they know that they have the skills. Um, and now many universities also offer micro-credentials. So not a degree, but it's like a smaller credential that you can put onto um, platforms such as LinkedIn or Upwork or Fiverr uh, in order to allow clients and peers to highlight and recommend specific skills. Now, it's not all doom and gloom. I know a lot of today so far has been doom and gloom. Uh, many freelance workers with a master's or a doctorate degree, um, they earned 70% more than those without a university degree in developed countries. So it is making a difference at the high end. So if you have a, a PhD or if you have a master's, um, that seems to be making still a difference in terms of how much you get paid. We are in the age of education inflation, says Brian Kaplan, the author of the book, The Case Against Education. For our parents, a bachelor's degree was that was that ticket. It was a ticket to high paying job. And today it's a master's. So what's next for our kids? PhD? Brian argued that the primary function of education was not to enhance a student's skill, but to certify their intelligence their perseverance, and their conformity. He argued that 80% of an individual's return on their education was the result of something he called signaling um, to potential employers. So you had the degree, or you had the advanced degree, it signals to an employer that you are the ideal candidate. You should be above the rest. You're going to be more, like, more intelligent. You're going to be have greater perseverance, and you're going to be better at following instructions, so more conformity. But what happens when data and AI, this is AI parenting after all, um, is used to rather than human, like our, our human instinct for, let's say, the typical HR process? So in this case, well, worker performance actually can be regularly assessed. We, it's very, fairly easy to do that. And in fact, many platforms already do. So the International Labor Organization found 
that most online platforms use ratings to determine who gets access to future work. So they use your ratings. Um, and so how much, like how many of these platforms? Well, if you're talking about freelance platforms or freelance online work platforms, that's 82%. So way up there, 72% uh, for taxi services. And I think 60, 67% for delivery services. We are in this era right now of regular monitoring, uh, especially for the freelance platforms. 47% reported that they have to report the number of hours worked. 47%. 46% said they had to take screenshots of their work. So whatever you're doing, you have to take screenshots of it to prove that the work's done. And 43% attended performance meetings on a regular basis. So these are not like once or twice a year. These are like, oh no, you want to get paid? Like we got to have a meeting. So getting, and speaking of getting paid, <laughs> like getting paid as a freelancer, it basically means working until all of the needs of the client are satisfied. And the difficult reality is that 86% of workers in micro task platforms, such as Fiverr, had their initial work, like the first version of their work, rejected. And when it comes to disputes for this work, um, most companies often defer to the mantra that the customer is always right. So the, that leads to the talking a little bit about the terms of service for these companies. So the terms of service for most online work platforms are mostly take it or leave it contracts that are decided, they're decided by the online platform. Um, that is like as a worker, you, you don't really have any say in terms of what that contract says. Uh, they are specifically designed to avoid the possibility of the worker becoming an employee. Um, and this prevents workers from receiving uh, statutory, they call it statutory entitlements, uh, which basically means that uh, they get access to minimum wage and social security or pension. Uh, currently, there is a push um, internationally and in the European Union to classify online work as something known as decent work so that the if it, it like if it gets classified as this decent work category in the law then all of the statutory protections that apply um, would apply to all workers so it doesn't matter if you're an online worker or if you are a yeah if, if you're any type of worker you like online worker or just a regular employee you would still get those same statutory protections. And there's other things that I didn't mention, like um, there's safety and health uh, protections that are provided. It depends on, on the jurisdiction, depends on the region. So in this last section, I'm going to talk about the three R's of AI proof skills. How can we thrive in a world of AI mediated work? 
while schools focus on the fundamentals of the three R's uh, that they call reading, writing, and arithmetic, we've learned that many of these skills are not unique and they can be easily outsourced, especially now more than, more than ever. So what would happen? What would happen if we focused on the future three R's of relate, recur, and create? So the first one, the first one is relate. So relationships are the basis for connecting with others about our beliefs, our values, our struggles, our pains, and our fears. We purchase products that help us achieve our goals and they help reduce the, the regular pains that we experience. You know, relationships are the foundation of many of our big purchase decisions. Um, think about our, uh, maybe your first car or your house purchase. Uh, I often remember like details about the people that I worked with or the people who, who helped me with the sale. Um, how did they answer my questions? How did they think about things from my perspective? Like I, I, I knew nothing at the time about buying a house. And so how did they inform me? How did they teach me about this? Or I knew nothing about cars at the time. And so they, they kind of told us, well, there's a lot of things you can focus on, but I think, you know, for your needs, this, this, these kind of things is what I would focus on. Oh, okay, that's, that's helpful. You know, um, we're doing the same things when we purchase online services. So if you work for Upwork or you work for Fiverr, it's actually the same thing. Uh, in, in the sales domain, which I work in, we say no pain, no sale. No pain, no sale. So our job is to read between the lines and relate to the pains that the client is experiencing. You know, perhaps in the future, or maybe even right now in the present, uh, listening, listening with intent and speaking with the right confidence, the right pace, the right tonality will have more impact uh, to our income than many of the skills that we learn for, say, writing and reading. Uh, even sales trainers these days, uh, they teach techniques that allow, that are specifically focused around like active, you know, um, inquisitive listening with intent. They allow students to role play with each other using platforms such as Discord, which is mainly just a, a chat platform. You can speak to others, you can try to sell them on something, right? Like, why not? Why not have that as your first, like, selling experience rather than you on the phone with a potential client? You know, like, you, you want to get some experience in this. Uh, and many of them will go out like they don't just learn this theoretically like they go out and they they sell something they go and buy something they make money right away 
And that gives you so much more practical experience. So uh, it, it's a powerful way to learn. And I, I imagine that in many cases online, this is exactly what we need to be doing because that, that's kind of the next level of learning is like, no, not just learn and then maybe use it in the future. No, learn and use it now because then you're going to be able to remember it. Um, Jim Quick talks about the importance of this, this application, like using it right away. Um, he, he, his recommendation is mostly teach it to somebody. So if you can learn something and you can teach it to another person, you're going to have way better retention. I think teaching it and using, using the skill um, is very similar. So if you're able to use it and then earn money from that skill, that's another way that you can build up that skill. Now, so why? Why this skill? Why not like other other skills? Why is relate so important? Well, even in a world of AI, we still deeply crave connection. It's another reason why live events like this one are more compelling than a recorded video. Like you, you can just go and watch the video anytime, but if you participate in the recorded event, you're writing comments down, you're going to get a lot more out of it. You're going to remember a lot more. It's going to be interactive. And that's why I, I try to provide as many opportunities as possible to, to interact because this is, this is how we learn. This is how we learn quicker. This is how we learn more effectively. Now, the second, the second point is recur. And it seems kind of weird. Okay, so I'm gonna bring up that slide again. So the second one is recur. So one of our biggest challenges in the gig economy is that the amount of work varies a lot from month to month. So during the lockdown, many freelancers saw this huge drop in the amount of work that they were asked to do. Uh, this kind of roller coaster income makes it really challenging to manage like household cash flow. Um, you know, so many had to take out loans in order to make ends meet, um, especially for those leaner, leaner months. So the goal of being on an online platform should be to develop the skills that, you know, others will pay for to a level where you can start having regular clients that you can charge a monthly retainer for. So the goal is not to be on Upwork or to be on Fiverr forever. Like you do it for a short period of time um, because at the end of the day, the most limited resource is, is your time. You can only serve so many clients at the same time. So you need to focus your efforts on the ones that are the highest paying and you need to fire the clients that don't fit well with what you're doing. This is, this is hard to say, especially if you don't have any clients right now, you're like, man, I would take any, any opportunity and you should at the beginning, right? Like you should take any opportunity you can. And if that opportunity is, like a Fiverr position, why not? Like it, it builds your skill, you make money uh, doing it. it does, there's no, like, this isn't a lot of harm, but it's, it's the mentality of I'm here 
doing fiber and I'm just going to keep on doing that indefinitely, that's what I'm talking about here. So in order to charge a higher amount or a higher premium, you first have to have skills that aren't readily available uh, on the online work platforms like Fiverr and Upwork. Uh, your relation skills that I talked about earlier, that number one skill, uh, is definitely going to help you dive deep into the pains of clients. Uh, and so you have a good sense of what people are willing to pay for. Because if you don't have a good sense of what the clients are looking for, you're, you're always going to be at a disadvantage because people will always say, oh, you know, like, I, I don't need that. Like, that's not worth it. It's like Because it, you never really dove well enough into what the specific pain was. Just thought, oh, you just need to make more money, right? So, well, there's a million ways to make money. Why yours? Why, why compared to all the, uh, the other ones? Like, it's not clear. You haven't really made the value of what you do clear. And that's the problem. So, what is it? What is that one unique thing that you do that nobody else does? Maybe it's helping moms who are, who have kids that are picky eaters. Uh, maybe it's helping a business generate more leads through digital marketing tools like advertising on Facebook. The key thing here is make sure that you measure the results so that you can develop this list of social proofs like your goal with these jobs isn't just to get paid it's to develop a list of social proofs so that you can show what results that you have produced for your clients uh, and then when you've increased your rate enough then it starts to make sense for clients to pay you a monthly retainer to save money while still getting the quality work that they require so Example would be, okay, I started charging maybe uh, $50 and then I started charging $100 and then, you know, $400, $500 and $1,000 uh, per project. And at this company where I'm doing like a $1,000 project with them every month. So I said, okay, what we're going to do is sign a, um, a monthly retainer and I will charge you $800, $800 per month, but you'll sign like for an entire year. And so 12 months. Uh, is our length of our contract um, and maybe like you need to give me three months minimum notice or something if you're going to cancel or maybe six months I don't know like you can decide what the terms are or maybe you can just say like there's no refunds basically it's going to that's how it's going to be uh, but you'll get a 20% discount and so it'll be worth it because you can get the same quality work uh, you get it at a much discounted price so that's that's good that's good for them now we're in this world of work available like labor um, is available as a service. So make sure that you're constantly looking for skills that are in demand and leverage, of course, like don't just go and find the thing that's in demand and just learn that. Like make sure it leverages what you are already good at. So it, it complements your skills. Otherwise you get into the situation of, um, it's kind of like the, the, you've heard the phrase, jack of all trades, master of none, like that's basically what would happen is you wouldn't actually be good at any of these skills and 
your your ability and all those skills would would decrease because you're just too all over the place. Like, what is that particular problem for the client? How can you be good at all the different aspects of that problem for the client? That's a good way of addressing the problem. Rather than, oh, well, I'm going to help this client and then this client and then another client. That's kind of all over the place. Um, it, we sometimes describe it as like a shiny object syndrome. So you, you kind of like all over. You're here, you're there. Like, we, we don't want that. We That's not really going to help your wages because you're going to have to deal with different clients and each one you're going to be starting from scratch. So make sure that it's about building that relationship, understanding the pain deeper. Like, what are your interests? What do you love doing? Go in that area. What are people in that domain? What's their biggest pain point? You probably know it better than most people. That's how you are able to help them better than anyone else. And so the last one, go back to that slide, is create. So this is cheating. It's, it doesn't start with an R, but like reading, writing, writing doesn't start with an R too. So I get to, I get to cheat on one <laughs> because uh, teachers are cheating on one as well. There, there is an R in create, so I'm good to go, right? <laughs> so you can get quite far with just the first two that I've described. So you have great relations. You're, you're able to relate with others. And the second is you're able to get recurring revenue. Awesome. So why? Why even bother adding on creativity? What's the point? Well, as I mentioned before, creativity needs an audience. Uh, and again, like, how do you get an audience? This is the relate skill uh, that I had talked about earlier. Your audience could be, it could just be your family. It could be your community or even your society. Now, deep creativity challenges the status quo. And what it does, especially in, in this time, is it puts you at the top of the food chain in the fourth industrial revolution. You want to be Uber and not the person whose work is mitigated by, by Uber. You want to be Fiverr and not the person whose work is mitigated by Fiverr. This is a totally uh, different skill set from maybe what you've, like maybe what we've, what we were taught uh, or we may get taught in school. Uh, in the book, The Education of Millionaires by Michael Ellsberg, he showed how some of the most successful school dropouts were world-class in certain things that they didn't teach in school. Those include relating. Uh, he describes it as not relating, but he, he used the words uh, networking. And then he, he also used the word sales, so networking and sales. They were just world-class networkers. They, they just knew how to walk into a room and just like collect all of the the, the pertinent information from everyone. Um, and they were really good at connecting the, the right pieces together in order to make things happen. This is like the collaboration skill that we talk about in skill, school, but it's like done in a very practical way. Uh, and then the other one is 
kind of being disruptive. And so that has to do with like creative thinking or problem solving or critical thinking. They just saw things potentially differently uh, than others. And that gave them the advantage because they could see something that other people couldn't see about what was going to happen. And that gave them a unique advantage. So those are some of the characteristics of the, the millionaires that he saw that dropped out of school. Now, in order to do this, like practically, um, you shouldn't be thinking about doing this all on your own. Like creativity, like I mentioned, in isolation, um, like you need that audience, you need that community behind you. And so you need a team. You need a team that is world class in addressing the pain points of your particular niche. So you have to be able to address that pain point better, more thoroughly, quicker um, than everything else that is out there. You then also need a team that is great at relating with potential clients and investors. You need people who are going to help you generate leads, generate sales. And that often involves a human contact. It could be a phone call. It could be a Zoom meeting. It could, it could be a, uh, a discussion that you have live with that person. Um, and that's where things like, like we talk about tonality. We talk about the um, just the expression that people have, how they say things, like what questions they ask. All of these things are very, very important. They really impact the entire sales process. And so being really good at that type of skill of listening with intent and then responding by asking the right types of questions that helps them become not this like pushy salesperson, but more like a trusted advisor. Uh, is what you're really aiming for. And we don't quite have enough time for me to explain the entire skill, but um, I think that this is, suffice to say, like one of the skills that is mentioned in the uh, the millionaire education, that it's, it's really important. And I think it doesn't matter what you're doing. Now, you also need um, a team that is also really good at figuring out what work you should focus on and what work you should outsource to others. Now, this is a tricky one um, because as a, a solopreneur, right? Like the, the tendency is just, I do everything. And I will speak from my own uh, experience. Yes, glad to have you as well. <laughs> Two-year-old daughter, I'm learning the parenting skill. You're a great channel for parenting. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Tran. Really appreciate you joining us. Um. So as somebody who, who acts as a solopreneur, there are a lot of things that I could do. I mean, like with my computer science background, like going out and programming stuff is what I love to do. I love to like tinker and, and write code, but I actually have to force myself to say, no, those are things that can be done by other people. Um, and while they may help my business, they, I need to focus on like, what is the value specifically for my clients? specifically for the people that I work with that is going to make the most difference like for them. What pain point am I going to be able to address for them that I'm really going to be able to, to solve better than anyone else out there? And it's got to leverage the things that I'm really, really good at. So it's got to leverage the existing skills. So if my background is in computer science, I don't go and say like, a, I, I wouldn't dare like kind of uh, say I'm the the bio biology expert or something like that that wouldn't that wouldn't help you at all because I wouldn't be further ahead than uh, say Dr. Tran 
But in this case, the key here is that, yes, like I use these services as well. And I look at, well, what needs to be done? Let's do some experiments. Let's see which ones produce uh, the best result. And it's about that knowing what you should focus on, right? Because we all have the same number of hours per day. You have the same numbers as the, the millionaire or the billionaire. Everybody has the same. Uh, what they really focus, I think it's really the, the focus that makes the most difference. I hope you got new insights from today's podcast. If you want to learn more about this topic, and if you want to see the references, go to AIparenting.live. Click on our blogs and you'll see an article on AI proof skills. There you'll find all of the references that we point to in this podcast. I want to leave you with one tip. You know those ads on YouTube that you find annoying and you skip all the time? I know that many schools install ad blockers to prevent them from showing. Now, what I'd say is what try watching them all the way through instead. Find out why would someone pay a lot of money in order to show you this advertisement? It must be working. What about it is working? How could you apply this technique to your own work? What you're learning here is the art of writing marketing copy. This is a skill that I teach my own kids, and it's one that helps you understand and think critically about the elements of your social media that impact how you think about the world and ultimately what you buy. Again, congratulations on investing in your family today. I appreciate you, and we'll see you next week where we'll discuss why parents hate. See you soon.